If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From LinkedIn News, I'm Leah Smart, host of Everyday Better, an award-winning weekly podcast dedicated to personal development. Whether you're looking for ways to shift your mindset or seeking more fulfillment in your life, we've got you covered. Join me as we dive into captivating stories and research-backed ideas that have empowered me and others to lead lives with more clarity and intention. Everyday Better, making growth an everyday practice. Listen to Everyday Better on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is The Look Ahead with Scott Seidenberg on VSIN, the sports betting network. Coming to you from the Circus Sportsbook here in downtown Las Vegas. I'm Scott Seidenberg. This is The Look Ahead here on VSIN, the sports betting network. Follow along on Twitter at Scott's On Air, S C O T T S O N A I R, or all of us on the network at VSIN Live. The big story of the day, the Baker Mayfield trade, which I think we all expected to happen. We were just waiting until something finally got done. I'll be honest. I thought that this might drag into training camp and maybe into the preseason. Maybe a team that had an injury to a quarterback would be more likely to go ahead and make a move for Baker. But the Carolina Panthers were the team that was linked to Baker all along. And here they are pulling the trigger after the long 4th of July holiday weekend, they have come together with the Cleveland Browns and they get the deal done. It is for a 2024 conditional draft pick. The Panthers will pay $4.85 million of Mayfield salary. The Browns will pay $10.5 million. And Baker also takes a little bit of a pay cut. He agrees to convert the remainder of his $18.8 million salary into incentives so he can make the money back based on team performance, etc. The Browns get a fourth or fifth round pick, depending on Mayfield's time. And this is so interesting because from a Panthers perspective, they are in a position where they clearly are, are in win-now mode, right? The, everybody wants to win now. And looking at this roster, you're, you see kind of some hope, I guess, that they're going to be competitive in a division that is not necessarily the most difficult. Like, yes, you got the Tampa Bay Bucks, obviously, but Atlanta is a team in transition, and New Orleans, of course, going to deal with the life after Sean Payton. And Baker with Christian McCaffrey now and DJ Moore and Robbie Anderson and maybe this team, maybe this team all of a sudden wins eight games. And I think that you can look at the win total of six and a half and you can think that, okay, with Baker, maybe they go over this. 
maybe he's the missing piece because, you know, at the beginning of the season last year, let's remember this. Let's go back. The Carolina Panthers last season started the year 3-0. and And those three wins, granted two of them against the Jets and the Houston Texans, and they beat the Saints in an impressive game in week two. But Sam Darnold actually was playing well. Remember, he was running for touchdowns as well. Like Sam Darnold had two rushing touchdowns in the game against the Texans to go along with 304 passing yards. The first game of the season against the Jets, Darnold throws for 279 yards and a touchdown and rushes for a touchdown as well. And then in the game against New Orleans, Darnold had two touchdowns and 305 yards. So he had the rushing touchdowns, he had the passing yardage, the passing touchdowns, and this team started off 3-0. and Then, well, the injuries. Yep, injuries came along. McCaffrey goes down. Chuba Hubbard has to, you know, be the bell cow, and they lose a bunch of games. And then Darnold's inefficiencies started to show. And he went from throwing 305 yards to throwing 177 and 112 and 129 and 172. Then they, you know, bring in Cam Newton and, you know, that obviously was fun when it first happened. Remember that game? What was it against Arizona where Cam Newton comes in at the goal line and P.J. Walker got the start, but then Cam Newton comes in and, and he rushes for the touchdown at the goal line and he throws for the touchdown at the goal line. And everyone's all happy. The bottom line is if the Carolina Panthers get consistent quarterback play, they might be able to exceed this win total. So I love the trade from a uh, Panthers perspective. For the Browns, it it was a move that had to be made and a move that they're happy now that it's behind them because the distraction is now over with. I'm not saying there was a distraction, but the distraction is now behind them and they can move on and address whatever's going to happen with Deshaun Watson while preparing to start the season with Jacoby Brissett. There's no question marks now about Baker Mayfield. Baker doesn't have to get asked at every public appearance. What's going on with the Browns? What's going on? Is he going to get traded? So you avoid all of that. You move on and you start to look ahead to this upcoming season. By the way, the week one line for this matchup, which is just so perfect, and uh, for anybody that, that is tweeting about this game now, like, clearly doesn't bet the NFL. And, and this was one of the greatest things that I saw today. And I don't, I'm, I'm, I don't want to, like, talk down about anybody or disparage anybody. Like, this is just for me. Like, it, this is my opinion, okay? You watch this network. You listen to this network. You expect a certain... Um, 
level of uh, knowledge. And we try and give it to you to the best of our ability. Three months ago, I told you to take the Carolina Panthers plus the three and a half. The line was at four and a half. It went down to three and a half. I got it at three and a half. I'm happy sitting on this ticket at three and a half. Downstairs right here at Circus Sports. I'm happy to hold on to that ticket in my app. I told you multiple times that this line was too high considering I did not believe, and I still don't believe, that Deshaun Watson plays in week one. And I even felt, regardless of the Panthers quarterback situation, that was a good number to get. Because with Jacoby Brissett leading the Browns into Carolina for week one, three and a half was just too good of a number. And it wasn't going to be here. Remember, we had Las Vegas Chris on. I told him that was the bet that I made and all that stuff. And then there's the, the speculation that they could trade and upgrade at the quarterback position. And now that this has happened, they have upgraded at the quarterback position. And Deshaun Watson still unlikely to play in week one. And we're waiting on that resolution. But this line is now Browns minus one. Panthers plus one. And you know what? Once there's confirmation of Deshaun Watson being out and Jacoby Brissett as the starter, I bet you people hit this number even more. And this might go off as a pick But I thought one of the most, uh, I don't know if it's funny or whatever, but to see people on social media here on Thursday, or on Wednesday, and my days get ready to run into each other. But to see people go on Twitter and say, How, wow, and pff, the Browns play the Panthers in week one. Oof, isn't that, isn't that poetic? Or how, how cool is that? I'm sorry, did we not know this? The schedule was, was released forever ago. The lines opened up forever ago. We've been talking about betting NFL week one for months. So if you're just catching on now to, hey, Baker's traded to the Panthers. Let's bet the Panthers against the Browns in week one. You're, you're late to the party. And not like a little late, like a lot of late. But now the question for me goes to the Cleveland Browns. I am very curious about what the Browns are going to be able to do this season. Will they be a playoff team? Will they be a team that exceeds their win total? They're third right now, third favorites to win the division. But this was a team that went 8-9 and nine last year with some subpar quarterback play. And there were times last year, I mean, we, we, we talked about it on, on this network, that they were better off with Case Keenum than Baker Mayfield. And so to think about this team, if Deshaun Watson does not miss the entire season, how many wins could they actually get if Jacoby just holds down the fort for the first half of the season? Now, I'm starting to think the Browns, their season outlook does not look so terrible 
the longer this Watson thing kind of plays out. My my thoughts right now, thinking about it. I'm Scott Satterberg. Hit me up on Twitter at Scott's on Air, S-C-O-T-T-S-O-N-A-I-R. We'll talk more about this move coming up next. We'll be joined by former NFL uh, offensive lineman Jeff Schwartz. We're going to ask him the impact that this trade has on the Carolina Panthers and uh, what it means for the Browns and, and the outlook for the Browns moving forward as well. This is The Look Ahead right here on VSIN, the sports betting network. On a summer night in Paris, American artist Lee Krasner is drifting off to sleep when the phone rings. On the line, news that her husband, Jackson, is dead. Jackson, as in the painter Jackson Pollock. He might, to this day, be the most mythologized figure in American art. But how much of the story that we've been told about him is just that, a myth? On Death of an Artist, season two, Krasner and Pollock, the story about how the art world changed forever, and the story of the artist who reset the market for American abstract painting. Just maybe not the one you're thinking of. Listen to Death of an Artist, Krasner and Pollock on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is The Look Ahead on VSIN, the sports betting network. This segment of The Look Ahead is brought to you by Zinn Nicotine Pouches, a fresh way to enjoy nicotine without all the baggage of cigarettes, dip, or vape. Zinn Nicotine Pouches are smoke-free, spit-free, and available in 10 varieties, and they come in two strengths so you can easily find the satisfaction level that's perfect for you. Zinn, America's number one nicotine pouch, is available in over 100,000 locations nationwide. Visit Zinn.com find to locate a store near you. That's Z-Y-N.com find. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. Scott Seidenberg back here with you. This is the look ahead here on VCND Sports Betting Network. And I, I bet you Baker Mayfield is, is eating a little bit of the humble pie right now. Just knowing that, you know, there were many teams out there that did not want Baker Mayfield. And, and it took him to take a pay cut in order to get this deal done. I mean, that's got to it's gotta hit the ego a little bit. I think it does. Uh, let's welcome in former NFL offensive lineman Jeff Schwartz. You follow him on Twitter at Jeff Schwartz. It's G E O 
PFF. Uh, Jeff played eight years in the NFL. The Carolina Panthers were one of the teams that he played for and joins us here on The Look Ahead. Jeff, thanks so much for uh, giving us a couple minutes here on VSIN. When you look at the Baker Mayfield trade, how much of an upgrade is this for the Carolina Panthers over what they already had in Sam Darnold? Well, it's a big upgrade if Baker Mayfield's healthy. Um, you know, it's more, I think, mean, kind of a negative on Sam Darnold than maybe a positive on Baker. Um, you know, Baker, when he's good, is good. Uh, probably no more than that. Uh, we've seen a couple years now where he's not been good, and the Browns haven't won a lot of games, haven't won games kind of up to their talent level. And so he's an upgrade. It's just an odd, to me, it's an odd trade for the Panthers. Um, it's it's not it's it's odd because Baker doesn't really get them anywhere in your franchise, right? Like the best you're getting for Baker, you win nine or ten games, never win a Super Bowl. He's not that have a quarterback, and why it's not odd, I should say, is because Tepper, the owner, wants to win now. Matt Rule, the coach, wants to win now. He provides you a better option to win now. But if you win too many games, you take yourself possibly out of the running for a quarterback next year at a very quarterback heavy first round. And so it doesn't, you know, one good year, a nine and eight year, a 10 and seven year, is that worth not having a long-term solution in quarterback? Because Baker's not that guy. Well, why would you pay him to be your long-term solution? You know, he's just not a Super Bowl winning quarterback. And teams have a hard time admitting when a quarterback is just good. Um, and, you know, but not really good enough for a Super Bowl. Yeah. Uh, and for the Cleveland Browns, when you look at the players and what they're going through, you know, how difficult is it when you're trying to prepare for your, your offseason and your training camp when you don't know what your quarterback situation is going to look like? Well, it doesn't really affect them now because Deshaun Watson, I believe, practiced in the spring. And if he's suspended for less than a year, I think he's practicing during training camp, obviously. Jacoby Brissett will have to take some of those reps as we close to the season. So probably not very much um, at the moment. I think the, the issue becomes, and we hear this term distraction all the time, right? It becomes a, a problem the first couple of days of camp, I would imagine, when every player is asked about Deshaun Watson's suspension status or how, how long it is or, or whatnot. But um, otherwise, you know, I think the players understand what's about to happen. I would, I would imagine Deshaun spent it for a good portion of the year and, you know, you're just trying to win as many games as possible with Jacoby Brissett looking towards next season um, as a big one with Deshaun Watson. Is this a playoff roster with Jacoby Brissett at quarterback? No, not in that division. I mean, you have um, my favorite team to kind of have a bounce back here in Baltimore. Mm-hmm. You have the Bengals with, 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 uh, with Joe Burrow. I mean, those are two quarterbacks much better than Jacoby Brissett. Um, the Steelers, you know, their quarter situation with um, Kenny Pickett or, or Mr. Trubisky isn't great at the moment, but also um, you have you know Mike Tomlin who just doesn't lose football games, right? They win a lot of games there. So Jacoby Brissett is not good enough, in my opinion, to overcome the Ravens and the Bengals. And also, hey, the Steelers are also there too. So uh, to me, this is not a playoff team with Jacoby Brissett. Looking at the NFC East, a lot of people, including myself, are high on the Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, what's your opinion on them and their ceiling? Yeah, I think they're they're a playoff team this year as they were last year. Um, I think kind of going back to the Baker discussion and quarterbacks, right? Like Jalen Hurts, yeah, 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 yeah good, I, I guess, right? Right? Like 
Is he great? Is he elite? He's good enough when you have good coaching and when you have a good roster, which they do. When you play in a division with two poor teams, I, I think in Washington and the Giants, you know, the Giants, I think will be a little bit better. Um, so yeah, the Eagles should be a playoff team, but I just thought, again, I don't know if Jalen Hurts is a Super Bowl winning quarterback, which is what, you know, every team has to strive to get one of those guys. And I get it's early in his career, so maybe it's unfair to judge him right now, but, uh, so I think they're going to be a playoff team, but I just don't, I, I wouldn't put a Super Bowl future on them. Um, I'm glad you brought up the Giants because I have two futures bets on them, and I want you to tell me if I'm crazy or not. It's okay. You can say I'm out of my mind. But I got Daniel Jones 9-1 to to be the comeback player of the year and Brian Dayball 20-1 to for coach of the year. So comeback player of the year is interesting to me because I, what, is, what did Daniel Jones come back from? Well, the injury. Like, what, he, he, he only played 11 games last year. How many games? 11. Yeah, I guess you're right. It's, I guess Joe Burrow played about a, 10 games, right, the year before and won the comeback player of the year. I just always view that award as like a player who missed all season. Mm. <laughs> I just, the comeback player of the year to me, yeah, he, he can certainly win that award. Um, so who else Who else fits that mold? There's got to be a couple other players. I, they just kind of stood in my mind right well, now. Like Christian um, McCaffrey's up there. Um, you know, Derek Henry's on the list, but I don't consider him a comeback player because he came back last year. It was, you know, I thought, I remember last year Carson Wentz was on the list more just like as he, he has like a different team he's playing yeah. for coming up for the year. Um, yeah, Mitchell Trubisky's you know, on the list. So, so you know, I, I really like what Brian Dable did in Buffalo with, uh, with Josh Allen. I think if you look at Brian Dable's ability to kind of adapt himself as a play caller to Josh Allen was really, really good. It was, he just did a great job. I just don't know in, in year one, if him and Jones will have that same connection where, you know, he's, he's just so much better in year one. And remember, it took Josh Allen, and Josh Allen's improvement is almost historical, right? It doesn't happen very often. Um, but that was year three, right? So I just don't know in year one if Brian Dable can get Daniel Jones playing at the level of Josh Allen. So, um, coach of the year would require a, a winning division, right? Like, I don't or see that. Just happening. making the playoffs. Yeah, that, yeah, I, I, maybe. I, I gotta see. You know, it's, it, the Giants are so interesting. Like, they, they have a horrendous record against the spread at home. Like, they just don't get any advantage playing at home. It, it, it's just a weird team right now, I feel like. Yeah. Oh, the NFC, I feel, is just weird. You know, obviously the Rams are the Rams, but, you know, at the Seahawks in a big transition, they're gonna be down. I, I don't I think the Cardinals missing Hopkins are gonna be down. I, I don't know what to expect from the 49ers because I honestly don't know what to expect from Trey Lance. Yeah, it, it I mean the, the NFC is feels pretty, you know, Rams, Tampa Bay, Green Bay. I mean it kind of feels like where we're at. The AFC is just much deeper. It's so much deeper. Um, so many you know, young quarterbacks. Sorry, but the NFC, we just mentioned quarterbacks like in their 40s, right? Brady, Stafford, <laughs> and Rodgers. Um, and, you know, we talk about, you know, the AFC, it's Josh Allen, it's, it's Lamar, it's Mahomes, it's Burrow, it's Herbert. Uh, it's always young, young quarterbacks. The NFC just really isn't there right now. Yeah, no, it's not. Uh, so let's talk about the Buffalo Bills, the favorites to win the Super Bowl. Uh, is that who you would place your money on right now? That is who I would probably place my money on right now. Um, it's kind of there. It's kind of now or never. I, I feel like because you know their main rival for the all these years will be Kansas City, right? Mm-hmm. And Kansas City is going to be fine without Tyreek Hill, uh, believe it or not. People are I, I mean, out of control with, with wide receiver 
love and talk. They're going to be fine. They might start a little bit slower than usual on offense, but they'll be fine, everyone. They have plenty of wide receivers. Um, but, you know, that slow start might be enough for Buffalo to host the Chiefs in the playoffs, right? And the Chiefs have never – Pat Mahomes has never played a road playoff game, believe it or not. He's played only, he's played only home playoff games and neutral site Super Bowls. I guess you could argue Tampa Bay, Super Bowl might be a road game. But, um, you know, he, he, and next year, though, 2023, the Chiefs are going to be much better. They're going to have everyone back, right? They're, they're going to hopefully have another, you know, good draft and some free agency, like a bunch of space cleared out. Like, this is the year to get the Chiefs. And if they don't do it this year, um, I do worry about when it's going to be. I thought like this is the prime year for them to get it done. I would put my money on them as of right now um, for doing the Super Bowl. Jeff, appreciate the time and the conversation. Hope to do it again soon. Yeah, take care. Thanks for having me on. He's former NFL offensive lineman Jeff Schwartz, and the Buffalo Bills are your favorite to win the Super Bowl right now, plus 650. The Kansas City Chiefs, plus 950. I'm Scott Sadenberg. Hit me up on Twitter at ScottsOnAir, S-C-O-T-T-S-O-N-A-I-R. What else went down here on Wednesday? It's the look ahead here on VSIN, the sports betting network. VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. If you're looking for more sports betting discussion around your local teams, Bet Rivers has you covered. Bet Rivers has launched a series of CityCasts designed to tackle sports betting from the local perspective. There are CityCasts in Chicago, Denver, Detroit, LA, New York, Philadelphia, Pittsburgh, and now Washington, D.C. Subscribe to your local CityCast wherever you get your podcasts. Scott Seidenberg back here with you. This is the look ahead here on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. Coming up about 15 minutes or so from now, we're going to be joined by our very own Gil Alexander. We want to talk to him about a variety of topics, um, especially uh, Wimbledon, because he's so good when it comes to the tennis handicapping. Uh, but let's update you on what went down in Major League Baseball here on Wednesday. Uh, had a couple of day games early on, uh, the Tigers with an 8-2 win over the Guardians. And how about the Tigers completing a four-game sweep of the Guardians? And this was a team in Cleveland that was playing really good baseball for about a two-week stretch or so. But now, after losing four straight to the Detroit Tigers... Cleveland is 40-40 and 40 on the season, four and a half games back of the Minnesota Twins for first place in the AL Central. Elsewhere, the Cubs beat the Brewers 2-1 as Milwaukee continues to falter. Uh, the White Sox beat the Twins in 10 innings, 9-8. This was a, uh, a matchup that was back and forth. Lance Lynn getting the start for uh, Chicago, and it wasn't a good one. Five runs on six hits in five innings of work allowed for Lance Lynn. Uh, thankfully, his offense backed him up by tying the game in the bottom of the eighth inning. And then uh, they held the twin scoreless in the top of the 10th and were able to get the run across in the bottom of the 10th for the 9-8 walk-off win. Blue Jays beat the A's 2-1 to as they avoid the sweep and snap their losing streak. Toronto had lost five straight games 
coming into this matchup here. They win 2-1 in Oakland and uh, avoid the sweep. They get on the winning track again and will now head up to Seattle for a series against the Mariners. The Angels with a 5-2 win over the Marlins. Shohei Otani went seven innings, allowed one run, uh, two hits, and three walks while striking out 10 as the Marlins scored in the first inning and held a 1-0 lead until the top of the fifth. So if you were backing Otani in this spot and maybe you did like a uh, first five run line or something like that, the Angels scoring uh, three times in the top of the eighth inning. They took a 3-1 lead into uh, the seventh. It was a 5-1 lead, and then the Marlins got one run across in the ninth inning. Final score of 5-2 to two as Otani does it all. Pitches, hits, and yeah. I mean, this is this is not a surprise now. This is what we've grown to expect from Shohei Otani. Uh, the Mets beat the Reds 8-3 in 10 innings. This was uh, the play of the day today was the Mets minus a run and a half. The Mets came into this game after losing yesterday by a one nothing score, a walk-off loss uh, after Max Scherzer struck out 11 in his return from the I.L., the Mets are the best team in Major League Baseball after a loss this season. Coming into this game, the Mets were 27-3 and after a loss and 20-10 and on the run line after a loss. So the Mets make it now 28, uh, they were 23-7, and excuse me. Now they make it 24-7 and after a loss by picking up this win. And I'll be honest with you, this one... Uh, we deserved it because it was very frustrating watching the Mets strand runners on base in every single inning. It was un- at, one, at one point in the seventh inning, I want to say, the Mets had 11 hits with about nine or 10 runners left on base and only two runs scored and they were down three to two they finally break through the they, they score in the ninth inning and then in the tenth inning they just explode for a five run top of the tenth to win this one eight to three and this was a game like I said it's it's you're watching it and you're just thinking how are the Mets not scoring and and for me as I handicap this game and I'm looking at you know how much I expected the Mets to hit Graham Ashcraft, and I'm watching them hit Graham Ashcraft. It's just not resulting in any runs scored. So, like you know, you're just watching the games and um, start. I'll just read. I'll just start from the beginning of the game. The Mets had let's see one, two, okay, let's see three. Let's keep going. That's we're up to three. We're up to three. Let's go four. So that's four. I'll tell you what I'm counting in just a second. Five. Let's see. We're at six. Okay. Seven. Oh, this is going to be good. Here we go. Eight. Eight. Okay. We're at eight. Let's see. We got eight. We got eight. Any more than eight? Um, no, don't think anymore. All right. Eight. Batted balls 
over 90 miles per hour on the exit velo chart that resulted in outs. You want to talk about hard hit balls. The Mets hit Graham Ashcraft hard, and they were not seeing any production. And then some of the hardest hit balls that did actually land for hits, like a Pete Alonzo 113-mile-an-hour single or a Dominic Smith 100-mile-an-hour double or a Pete Alonzo 108-mile-per-hour double, none of those resulted in runs scored. They just stranded guys on base all game. But they did get the win 8-3. to three. They, once again, prove why they are the best team after a loss this season in Major League Baseball. Braves blanked the Cardinals 3-0. Max Freed, what a uh, good performance out of him as he battled Miles Michaelis. Freed goes six innings, shutout baseball, five hits. He struck out four for Michaelis. He uh, gave up two home runs as uh, he gave up three runs on five hits in six innings. A uh, Marcel Azuna home run and uh, a Rosario home run in the bottom of the fifth inning. So two solo home runs in the bottom of the fifth. If you had Cardinals plus a half a run in the first five, yeesh, uh, that one's tough because they, they, you know, Michael has pitched well until that bottom of the fifth inning when he gave up those home runs. Yankees pound the Pirates 16-0. They had 22 hits in this game. However, they scored um, off of, let's see, at the end of the game, I believe it was, hmm, who pitched for them? Manny Penuelos, who uh, was a former Yankee, pitching against them out of the bullpen. And then um, Chris Stratton came in, and at one point it was just, you know, it was batting practice being served up by the Pirates as they used an opener in this game. Uh, Actually, no, Van Meter played, uh, that's what it was. Position player came in late in the game. And you know what? I got to talk to Josh Towers about this. We're going to have former former uh, major leaguer Josh Towers on the game. Yeah, you know what? I thought there was a position player pitching at the end because I saw the Yankees teeing off on a position player uh, watching the highlights. And then, you know, I'm looking at the box score and, and uh, Josh Van Meter is placed like where an opener would be placed. So I'm just misreading the box score completely. But yeah, my eyes were correct as I was watching the highlights. I'm like, yeah, that's a position player pitching. I got to ask him. I got to ask Josh Towers about this. I hate this. I'll be honest with you. I hate when the position players go on a pitch. I think it's a joke. Um, You know, you got guys that could use work. You got how many guys in the minors that are just dying for an opportunity to pitch at the major league level. And I get it. You don't want to burn out your pitchers. The game is over, right? Like the Yankees were already up um, before they get to the, it was, what was it? Two, four, five. They score five runs in the eighth inning. It's a 10 nothing game going into the ninth inning. I get it. But then the Yankees pound, you know, six runs in the uh, top of the ninth inning. Um, Hicks homer, Stanton homer, and it's just like, it's embarrassing. I, I, I don't know if I'd go so far to call it a mockery of the game. I mean, maybe I will. But I'll definitely, we'll talk to Josh Towers about that coming up next hour. I'm going to get his thoughts on um, position players pitching in Major League Baseball.
But coming up next, uh, we'll get back into baseball uh, a little in a little bit. But coming up next, uh, Gil Alexander, host of a numbers game here on the network, will join me on the program. Excited to talk to Gil. Want to get his thoughts? I'll ask me maybe I'll ask Gil a question about baseball, but we'll get his thoughts on the Baker Mayfield trade, and we got to talk Wimbledon with Gil as well. I'm Scott Sadenberg. This is the Look Ahead here on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. This is the Look Ahead on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. On a summer night in Paris, American artist Lee Krasner is drifting off to sleep when the phone rings. On the line, news that her husband, Jackson, is dead. Jackson, as in the painter Jackson Pollock. He might, to this day, be the most mythologized figure in American art. But how much of the story that we've been told about him is just that, a myth. On Death of an Artist, season two, Krasner and Pollock, the story about how the art world changed forever and the story of the artist who reset the market for American abstract painting. Just maybe not the one you're thinking of. Listen to Death of an Artist, Krasner and Pollock on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Back here on The Look Ahead, I'm Scott Seidenberg, thrilled to welcome in uh, my colleague as the host of A Numbers Game. He is Gil Alexander, and Gil, let's start with the biggest news of the day, the Baker Mayfield trade to the Carolina Panthers. How surprised were you that this move finally came down? Yeah, I don't think anybody should be surprised. I mean, this is this has been long rumored from the moment that Deshaun Watson came to the Cleveland Browns, the short list for Deshaun, excuse me, the short list for Baker Mayfield. And by the way, thank you for having me, Scott. I should probably point that out. <laughs> um, uh, the short list was always, you know, rumored to be Carolina, Seattle. Those were the two teams banded about the most. And then we kind of learned that Seattle really apparently didn't have as much interest as we thought they did. So this is uh, this deal makes sense for Baker. I'm, I, for him, it's awesome. I do believe, with apologies to Sam Darnold fans, whoever's out there, that Baker becomes the de facto starter. And to make the deal, he took a bit of a pay cut of a few million dollars. Because I guess the Browns are paying $10.5 million of the salary, and the Panthers are on the hook for $5 million. He was supposed to make over $18 million. So he took a bit of a cut to, to uh, make the great move for him. And now what remains to be seen, Scott, I guess, is they play the Cleveland Browns week number one of the NFL season, and we don't know if Deshaun will be there. Well, but we do know Baker will. Yeah, well, a couple of months ago, I played the uh, Panthers at plus three and a half when the lines opened up, and it was four and a half. It quickly went down to three and a half, and I got it in at three and a half. It's since nice. been pulled 
off of the board, um, and you know it's been opened back up at about one and a half. So uh, we'll see what happens. But from your perspective, how much does this upgrade the Panthers, and do you consider them a team to exceed their win total now? Yeah, you know, the NFC is so poor in terms of its depth, right? Like, it, 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 you know, so you wonder, is there, there, there will inevitably be a team in the NFC that most do not expect to get to the postseason. So a Carolina yes-no playoff price, a yes might be very interesting at this point. Is Baker Mayfield enough to get them now with Christian McCaffrey back into a postseason position? I don't think it's outlandish. I, I definitely think it. You know, it's it's not a favorite for sure. But if you can get a nice enough price on that, that'd be interesting. And you know, as far as the season win total, God, I mean, there. I think they have. I think there is a. I think it would lean over now. Not not to say that I'm the biggest Baker Mayfield fan in the world, but I think it's a huge upgrade over Sam Darnold. I really do. And I, I would like to think Scott more than anything that Baker Mayfield who, I don't know, doesn't strike me as the most humble guy in the world, (laughs) might now reflect and be like, you know what? I have a new opportunity. There was a moment there where I couldn't even get a job in this league. Maybe I ought to apply myself in a different way. Yeah, and maybe you get the best version of Baker that we've seen so far. Remember, he's coming back from an injury as well. Gil, where are you right now in the Major League Baseball season? Uh, you know, I talked about this last night with Tim a little bit. That I- I've noticed we're getting closer to the All-Star break, and it just seems like a lot of these players are are maybe, I don't want to say looking ahead to a couple of days off, but <laughs> we're seeing more variance now over the past two weeks, I think, than we've seen all season long. I think that's probably true. I think if we if we thought otherwise, we'd be a little naive. I will tell you that historically, and I'm not sure where this comes down for you, Scott, but historically, when I used to bet baseball way more seriously than I do now, now there's too many other things going on that I, that I don't, but for, for many a summer, I was all about just betting baseball massively and, and was immersed in it. And what really was the case for me, and you really, there's, there's not many things you can, you know, do a whole paintbrush over, but post All Star break is when my numbers were the squirreliest, if you can believe that. So it's one thing that they seem that players seem to be itching for the break itself, but I always felt from a from a handicapping standpoint, not only felt, but it's in the numbers, it's in the results that my handicapping got way out of whack for about two weeks after the break until they sort of normalized again. Yeah, well, I'm going through it right now. I mean, this is the rough, this is the the worst stretch that I've had in, in five years. And what I've noticed is, you know, a lot of my numbers just aren't applying and things are happening. And yes, variance happens. It, you know, that it's going to happen. I tell people all the time, it's okay to lose. You will yes. always lose when you are gambling, right? It's just, it's okay. As long as you understand, like, I was on the right side. And what I mean by that is not necessarily like you should have won, but there's no one out there that could have given you a compelling argument to bet the other side. You know, like no numbers, no analysis would have told you to bet the other side other than somebody saying, well, I'm just taking a shot at this number, if that makes sense, Gil. Yeah. No, I mean, listen, I think baseball, at least to me, has always made the most sense from a direct line from numbers to your handicap. Uh, It is a... It is a individual sport disguised as a team sport, 
And so for me, that always made more sense where every you know, play begins with one guy throwing the ball to another guy with a bat. And so that all, everything flowed from there. So I, I totally hear you. I think what, one of the things you said is the, is the biggest point, which is if you bet long enough, if you bet seriously enough, anybody who tells you that they don't go through a rough patch is lying. Or, or they haven't bet long enough or seriously enough. So it happens. You know, that said, this is a pretty haves and have nots season like it has been in recent baseball history. And I do expect that we're going to get, you know, the Yankees and the Astros as the best teams throughout the American League baseball season. It will remain to be seen if they're able to manifest into the AL Championship Series during the postseason. And then in the NL, you know, look, the Dodgers and the Mets are still going to be the cream of the crop, I think, the rest of the way. And everybody else is going to be jockeying for behind them. Um, let's talk uh, Wimbledon. Um, you know, you are the, the best uh, tennis handicapper that I know. So when it comes down to a potential Rafa Nadal against Novak Djokovic, do we take <laughs> a plus price on Rafa Nadal? Well, thank you for the kind words. First of all, I have had a very poor match-by-match Wimbledon record this year, although I do have Rafa still alive. I have Simona Halep still alive on the uh, women's side. I didn't get Simona pre-flop. Got her during this tournament. Um, Rafa is a dog in the semifinals. Against Kyrgios, wow. Against Kyrgios. <laughs> and that is the that is the first time – I want to get this stat correct here because it just I just landed on it. It is the first time since 2003 – 2003, when he was 17 years old, that Nadal is a dog versus an unseeded player. Now, it is Nick Kyrgios, and Nick Kyrgios is, may have more talent than anybody on earth. And it, talk about like applying oneself. You always knew that if he ever decided, I'm going to take one of these seriously. And he's had his moments, and he still continues to, right? Mm-hmm. Um, now, the question becomes, just because he's the favorite, like, do you want to bet on Nick Kyrgios? I have. I will tell you already, Scott. I have made three bets already for the semifinals. I took Rafa at plus one thirty-one when that number came out. Rafa is dinged up. He's a justifiable underdog because Kyrgios has great service numbers, great grass numbers. But it's Rafa and it's Kyrgios, and I will take my chances all day long with Rafa at plus one thirty-one in that bit of mental warfare. I took Djokovic three sets to nothing against Cameron Norrie at uh, minus 159. And I took tomorrow, I took Simona Halep, which is tonight for you, Simona Halep, two sets to to nothing, uh, two sets to none against Elena Rybakina at minus 129. So I already made three semifinal bets. Can you? What do you mean by that? Where two sets to none? Like they have to? It's not a minus two set spread. What do you mean by that? In other words, they have to. In in both cases, Halep two to nothing, and in uh, Djokovic's case, three to nothing against Cam Nori. They they the bet is that they will not drop a set at all. In oh match. wow! Oh, so they're going to sweep. Okay, got yes. it. Yes, got it. Oh wow! Okay, I like that. So then, when it comes to a final, I mean, Djokovic going to be favored over both Nadal or Kyrgios. Could oh, you yes. bet against Novak? Well, no. I mean, at that point, I would have my Nadal future in the case that it was Nadal, uh-huh. and then I would, I would perhaps look for an opportunity in match to bet Djokovic at plus money, or at that point, I would just sort of let it go. When I, when I got Nadal at plus seven twenty-five, it was post draw. I wasn't going to bet anything on the men's side, but I thought the draw was so favorable to him uh, that I just couldn't resist the plus seven twenty-five. And I, you know, 
Listen, should Djokovic be favorite? Of course he should be. Plus, Nadal is banged up. But just you just can never know with Rafa uh, as he goes for his third straight Grand Slam here in uh, in 2022. That would be unbelievable. A little calendar slam action, right? I got the lingo yeah. going. I got the lingo going, Gil. There you go. <laughs> well, there God, go. I appreciate the time. We're going to have to do this again real soon, man. Appreciate you. Scott, thanks so much for having me on. I appreciate it. Uh, what a great job. I uh, love having Gil on, and we'll have to do it again real soon. He's Gil Alexander, host of A Numbers Game, beating the book is the podcast as well. Let's get back into Major League Baseball. Coming up about 15 minutes or so from now, we'll be joined by former Major Leaguer Josh Towers. Talk to him about a variety of topics. Uh, and we uh, did see um, a little bit of locker room. Uh, I want to talk. But well, we'll get into it coming up next. I'll tell you what I mean. I'm Scott Seidenberg. This is The Look Ahead here on Visa. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From LinkedIn News, I'm Jesse Hempel, host of the Hello Monday podcast. In my 20s, I knew what career success looked like. In midlife, it's not that simple. Work is changing, we are changing, and there's no guidebook for how to make sense of it. Start your week with the Hello Monday podcast. Listen to Hello Monday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.